Howdy. Howdy. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and get started tonight just because we got priests here that are going to be waiting for confessions. But just wanted to say thanks for coming out tonight. It's awesome just to be here. We haven't had any men's ministry this semester, and this is an awesome time for us to come together as brothers to be able to allow the Lord to speak truth to us and just to be able to, to be here together as men. You know, there's no other, better strength in our world today, especially our culture who's so against men being men, men gathering together and being united. So this is just a great strength for us to be able to grow closer to the Lord as brothers in Christ. Um, I'm Father Chris. I know most of you guys, but it's good to have you all here. Um, just to introduce you real quick, our speaker tonight is Spencer Purdy. He's the team director for Focus here. And uh, this is his fourth year Focus. He's from Southern Indiana. And uh, one thing that I admire about Spencer is he's just like all in, you know, like he's striving to be holy. He's striving to know the Lord with his whole self. So whether that's in prayer, whether that's in his self-discipline, whether that's in his relationships, being welcoming to people. So I just really admire that, that he like is setting his bar high and like striving for excellence, which is a cool witness to all of us here tonight. So I'm excited for the truth that he's going to speak to y'all. And I hope that you're able to receive it and to be able to take it with you as you head back home for the rest of Advent and into Christmas. So what's going to happen is I'll say a prayer over Spencer real quick. Let him take it away. And at the end, I'll come back up and we'll have a time where we'll move to the church to uh, have some exposition, adoration, some music, but then also a time for confessions. So that's kind of the plan for tonight. We'll join the ladies who are over there. So if y'all join me, if you have a hat on, if you could take it off, let's go ahead and pray for Spencer. <clears throat> In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit. Lord God, I just thank you so much for my brother Spencer. I thank you for the many gifts that you have given him, but most of all, that you have adopted him as your son. I thank you for the ways that he has grown as a man, the way that you have given him this zeal for excellence, Lord, the ways that he witnesses to the other men in this campus. Right now, I just ask that you open our own hearts and our minds, Lord, to receive the words that you want us to hear tonight. In our brokenness, in the craziness of this semester, Lord, that you still want to strengthen us as your men. You want to strengthen us as brothers, and how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. So I ask that you send your Holy Spirit down upon us, speak through Spencer, give him a boldness and courage and a docility to your Holy Spirit. Mother Mary, we ask for your intercession at this time. Guard us from the evil one. We ask this all through the intercession of St. Joseph as well, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Give it up for Spencer. Can you guys hear me okay? I'm going to attach this to my little thing here. We're good? Cool. Um, Guys, it's good to be with you. Men, it's good to be with you. Um, I want to start off with just a little bit of vulnerability and honesty. When I first heard about this, this evening, this Advent evening, this talk for men on how to live Advent well and how to go home and live break well, to how, how to grow in holiness over break, I thought to myself, gosh, that's a talk that I need to hear because I actually don't, haven't done those things super well. And this is a talk that I need to hear as well. So I just share that in honesty um, so that you know that I don't come here as someone who has done that perfectly or well. But I just come here, guys, as your brother, wanting to, to grow in my ability to do that well with you guys. So Advent. I, I, think, I think we have a very good understanding of what Advent is, uh, preparing for the coming of Christ. 
And I would say there's three ways in which we can prepare for the coming of Christ. Three ways in which he comes to us. And so the first is recognizing that he came to us that first Christmas day. He came to us incarnate as man. Secondly, he comes to us in the holy sacrifice of the Mass, in the Eucharist, in the flesh, body, blood, soul, and divinity, in the Eucharist. How are we preparing to receive Jesus in the Eucharist when we go to Mass? And thirdly, um, Christ comes to us and will come to us at the end of time, his second coming. And so I think a question, as, as we think about these three ways that Christ has come to us and, and comes to us today and will come to us, is are we prepared? Are we ready for the coming of Christ? Are we really ready for Christ's coming? Something I've been thinking about the last couple weeks is this idea of there are believers. And I think, I think there's a lot of Christians who are believers and, and believe that Jesus is the Son of God and praise God for people that would proclaim Jesus as Lord. But in thinking about that more, I think there is a lack of believers who are truly witnesses. Truly witnesses. One of my favorite verses is 2 Timothy 2.2. And what you have heard from me through many witnesses, entrust the faithful people who will have the ability to teach others as well. And something that was very interesting that I learned, um, the word witness in Greek is, I'm going to say this wrong, but it's maritas, which means martyr. And so this idea, guys, that we're meant to be real witnesses, not just believers, but witnesses. We're meant to be martyrs. And I would say, I think we'd say this probably fairly, most of us aren't called to a, a red martyr's death, um, that we would die for our faith here in this earth, um, here in this nation. But I would argue that for each of us, several times throughout the day, we have opportunities to die just little deaths, little martyrdoms. And I think our world needs us as men to rise up and be that true witness, that, that martyr in the little ways. So returning to that question of are we ready for Christ's coming, I want to read with you, and it's fairly long, so Matthew chapter 25, and it speaks of Christ's second coming. And I just want us to think about that question. Are we ready for his second coming? So I read here from Matthew 25. He will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. A stranger and you welcomed me. Naked and you clothed me. Ill and you cared for me. In prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when do we see you hungry, feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When do we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When do we see you ill or in prison and visit you? And the king will say to them in reply, Amen, I say to you, whatever you did for one of these least brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you accursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. A stranger, and you gave me no welcome. Naked, and you gave me no clothing. Ill and in prison, and you did not care for me. Then they will answer and say, Lord, when do we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or ill or in prison and not minister to your needs? 
And he will answer them, Amen, I say to you, what you did not do for one of these least ones, you did not do for me. And these will go off to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. And these will go off to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Man, I don't know how you feel in, in hearing that and as we read this part of Scripture. Um, but if I'm being honest with myself, um, in reading that and in praying with that, it kind of makes me feel a little sick inside. And I, I've been wrestling with this for about a week. And a couple of reasons as to why I feel that way. One, I recognize ways that I'm actually not living this out well. And secondly, I recognize ways that I'm still very attached to the world. Um, ways that I'm selfish. And thirdly, and may, maybe the one that bothers me the most, is I think of the people in my life that I love who maybe don't know God or maybe believe in God, but they really don't proclaim him as Lord of their life, their number one. And so I return to this question, and I want us to return to this question. Are we ready? Are the people we love ready for Christ to come? for this to take place, because it will take place. In Tennessee, I, I served at Tennessee the last couple years. Uh, I, I joined my first ever CrossFit gym. And I'll be honest with you, I was pretty annoyed with people who were parts of CrossFit gyms because they seemed to talk about it all the time, and it just got annoying. But I ended up joining this gym. I just want to share with you, one thing that I really liked um, about being a part of this gym was they would have wads or workout of the days. You'd go in and the coach would warm you up and take you through this workout, this wad. And it was really cool because while being there in community, um, I was able to just grow and get, become a better athlete, get in better shape. But the biggest lesson that I learned that I still hold on to to this day is occasionally the coach would kind of step away from the normal workout routine and he would challenge us to think about a movement or an exercise that we're not very good at. And he would actually coach us to get better at that specific exercise, that we'd be more free to do that movement and to do it more efficiently. And that that would help us as an overall athlete improve all around. And guys, I share this idea because I think it could very easily be related to our faith life and our spiritual life. As men striving for holiness and virtue, I would hope that our schedules, our days, there's lots of maybe good habits that are helping us move in that direction. But in addition to that, I really believe it's good for us to take a step back and invite the Lord into, what are some areas, Lord, that I, I need to pay special attention to or that I need to invite you into or a few little areas that I need to grow in um, to be this witness, not just a believer. So as we kind of continue on with the theme of how do we live over break, how do we prepare for Christ's coming, this Advent, um, how do we be a witness? Um, I want to just share with you a couple simple things that might be helpful. For me, I'm not very good at remembering things, so I really like acronyms. So I'm going to share with you some just simple things that maybe might be good nuggets for us as we're home over break living this Advent. So the first word that will become a word is prepare. I recently listened on a road trip, um, this podcast on um, surviving difficult situations. And so they actually ended up sharing like the best thing that we can do to be able to survive situations. And so in my mind, I don't know what you guys think of, but I'm thinking like, oh, you got to be like macho man. You have to have weapons. You have to have grit. Like that's what's going to help you survive. But something that they shared was 
that the one common denominator of people who are able to survive difficult situations or emergency situations was that they actually just properly prepared for those situations. They knew where it was they were going to go and the potential dangers or harms there, and they had the correct knowledge, the correct gear and abilities, and, and a plan of what to do if something were to occur that shouldn't have occurred. And so I want us to ask that same question. What are the challenges, um, what are the threats to us when we go home over break? So what are those challenges? And this is a question that I've been asking men and women the last couple weeks and prepping and praying through this talk. And I just want to share with you some of the things that have consistently came up from people. So things like isolation, idleness, treating the school break as a break from everything, binge-watching shows or movies, gaming all the time, falling into sins of pornography and masturbation, sloth and laziness. And guys, if we're being honest, I think these are temptations that we probably face right now, even here at school this semester. But I would, I would also argue that they actually might be uh, even greater temptations when we are home over break, maybe away from a community. One other thing that I, I've just been wrestling with this last week um, that I think could be a temptation for us as men when we go home over break is when we go home, we're with our parents again and our siblings, and maybe we're in the same house that we grew up as as a boy. And for me, a temptation in the past is when I go back to that place with those same people, I'm tempted to be and live as a boy again. And guys, we're not boys anymore. We're, we're men. And there's nothing wrong with being a boy when you are a boy. But when you're a man, you should not live. We should not live as boys. We should live as men. So a couple differences that I want to just briefly talk about of a boy versus a man. A, a boy often looks for what's most fun, what's most pleasurable, what's easy, looking to be served, whereas a man can enter a situation, can enter a family, can enter a place, and think, how am I called to serve here? How am I called to be a gift? What are ways that I can help those around me? What are the things that I need to do? And so maybe some simple things that we could think about doing when we go home over break when we're in that same environment, simple things like doing the dishes, cleaning up after ourselves and others, Laundry, making meals instead of always allowing our parents to make the meals, getting groceries, cleaning. There's lots of things that we could do that would help us be men. And at one point that I think one of my roommates made last week during team prayer was this idea that going home over a break is maybe a good test of how we'll actually live our vocation as a husband and father. So how we act as a man when we go home over a break with our families might be a pretty good indicator of how we would be a husband and father to our actual families in that way. So I just want to challenge you guys and challenge myself of how do we prepare to live this break well? What new skills are we going to learn? Good hobbies, good leisure, new tasks that we want to accomplish? Maybe things like reading a book, learning how to play an instrument, um, getting or, or starting a good workout routine, meaningful conversations with family and friends. Um, another one is, I think that's really important is when are we going to go to bed? And when are we going to wake up? And maybe the first thing we think about when that's like, okay, I'm, I'm on break, Spencer. Like, I don't need to have a bedtime. I don't need to get up at a certain time. It's called break. And yes, that's true. But I would argue maybe one thing. Um, I would say there's not a lot of good things that we could be doing after midnight or even after 11. And I would say maybe the most important thing as men is that we get enough sleep. I would say seven to nine hours 
is what most of us need to be the best version of ourselves. If you're interested, there's a very cool talk. Uh, it's a TED Talk um, by a Mr. Matt Walker who talks about sleep as a superpower. And one thing that I'll just share with you that I think is very interesting is that an adult who doesn't get seven to nine hours of sleep regularly in a week, their body and their mind becomes like that of someone 10 years older than them. Their energy level becomes that of someone 10 years older than them. Men, we're made to work hard and to work well and also to rest well. And if, if we don't maybe have that habit in our life now, I challenge you with a lot of time maybe that we'll have over break, let's develop that habit of resting well so that we can work well and give of ourselves well. Maybe I'll last couple things with prepare and then I'll go to the next one. This is the longest one of the, the four things. Um, where are we going to pray? Where are we going to go to mass? Where is confession available? And then also, guys, in this, in this desire that we have to live Advent well, to be a witness and not just a believer, we can't do this alone. We need God first and foremost, but we also need brothers. We need bros in our life to encourage us, to challenge us, to pick us up when we fall. And so we need to prepare. We need to think, who are the men in my life that when I go home for break, I'm actually not alone. I'm connected to guys spiritually or even digitally. Um, Think about that. And if, if you guys have no one in mind that could be that man for you, you could be that man for, look around this room tonight, okay? Have the humility to meet someone else here or a couple other people here and ask them, hey, I have no one to keep me accountable to this. Would you be willing as a brother to do that for me? That's, that would be huge, guys, if, if we can do that, if, and if we can do that well. So prepare, the first one. The second one, reflect. Um, Socrates says the unexamined life is a life not worth living. So a, a question, how often do we go through a day, a week, or a month, or even a semester, and we don't reflect on the ways in which we're, we're growing or not growing? I would argue that if we're trying to go somewhere, if we have a goal of where we'd like to be, who we'd like to be, we actually need to know who we are right now, how we're doing right now, and where we've come from. And so a very simple way to do that, to add that into our, our habit, is to do an examine every day, to reflect on our life through an examine. There's tons of different examines out there. I just encourage you to pick one, try it, and you can always get a different one. I would say the more important thing is to actually develop the habit of examining your day. Maybe it's in the morning, um, in the afternoon, in the evening. I've been trying to do this well the last several years, and I've been getting better, but I still struggle. I try to do it in the evening right before going to bed where I'm inviting the Lord into my day and thinking about how I could do better the next day and how he views me. So reflect. So prepare, reflect, and the next one, action. As men, we need to take action. I think another way that we can be tempted as men that the evil one can tempt us is to allow us to fall into mediocrity, complacency, procrastination. I'll do the fun things that I want to do or the easy things first, and then maybe I'll get to the things that I need to do later. And I really think that's reversed, guys. I think we're meant to work hard and then we can actually enjoy leisure and enjoy fun after we've completed what we need to do. So I think a good example of someone who takes action, who's obedient to what needs to be done, is St. Joseph. I think he's a very good example for us. And he's also a good example and intercessor for us in this season of Advent. And so from Scripture, I want to share with you. So after the dream where the angel said, do not be afraid, Joseph, to take Mary into your home. It says in Matthew chapter 1 
When Joseph awoke, he took Mary into his home. He didn't delay. Right when he woke up, he didn't hit the snooze button. He didn't delay. He didn't wait a few days. He was immediately obedient and took action with what he was supposed to do. And later on, after the birth of Jesus, he has another dream where the angel says, and this is in Matthew 2, Rise, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, stay there until I tell you. Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. And Joseph rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. So again, he didn't delay. As soon as he woke up after that dream, that night he woke up Mary and Jesus and they fled. He was obedient. He took action right away. He didn't delay. A couple other things under action that I think are maybe important for us to think about in the season of Advent that I think, at least for me personally, have been forgotten in the season of Advent for a lot of us is that we should fast, do mortifications, and, and, and live almsgiving well. And so fasting. Um, one thing I'd suggest is picking something that's actually difficult to do over break. Um, intermittent fasting is, is a great one. If you're not familiar with intermittent fasting, look it up. It's basically fasting for 16 hours, and then you can eat um, for the other eight hours. And it can actually be different windows of time than that. But giving up food, giving up sweets, snacking, social media, TV, video games, um, and learning to say yes or no to the little things. Guys, I truly believe that the Lord gives us the grace to grow in that virtue to where we can say yes and no to the things that are much bigger and maybe more important than those, those smaller things. Um, in Luke 16.10, I think it just embodies this idea a little bit. The person who is trustworthy in very small matters is also trustworthy in great ones. Another one, if you want to throw it in there, or at least try it out once, why not, is cold showers. I, I challenge you guys, look up the benefits to take a cold shower occasionally. I'll share just a few, because um, most of us probably won't look it up or do it anyway. But it can reduce stress, builds a stronger immune system, and uh, helps us achieve greater alertness. wonder why. Um, and then almsgiving. I don't know what our situations will be like when we go home, whether there'll be opportunities for us to serve in that way. But I really think we could actually live almsgiving well in our homes. We've kind of talked about that, of, of being a man at home versus a boy. But some kind of almsgiving that we could do over Lent. Um, so that was action. Okay, the last one, and this is the shortest one, yearn. So what do we yearn for? In Psalm 63, we read, or I'm going to read, O God, you are my God, for you I long, for you my body yearns, for you my soul thirsts. Is it material things that we yearn for? Is it things that are fleeting? Things that don't truly give us rest, joy, or peace? What do we, what do we yearn for? And I just, I want us to be encouraged to give God the space in our lives to allow him to transform us so that we actually yearn for the eternal things that we would yearn for heaven, for heaven, not only ourselves, but also for those around us. So what do we yearn for? So if we put those four just quick things together, um, prepare, uh, reflect, action, and yearn, that spells out pray. And if you don't want to do any of the things that I've talked about so far, I implore you to do this last one, to pray over break. Maybe some of you already have prayer lives right now. If you do, Maybe challenge yourself with the extra time to increase that prayer time day to day. If you don't pray right now, when you go home, I challenge every, every man in this room to pray 30 minutes or more 
every single day. That might seem like a lot, but guys, in the span of the day, 30 minutes is not even 2% of the day. Most adults our age spend 6 to 11 hours in front of a screen every day. That's one-fourth of the day. Can we give 30 minutes to our Lord to allow him to change us, to allow him to speak truth into our lives, to just be with him? So find a time and space. Schedule a time and place to pray. An analogy that I like to think of when I'm tempted to not go pray, which happens quite frequently actually, is the analogy of maybe a woman that we'd like to pursue as men someday, or maybe a girlfriend that we currently have. I think it'd be absolutely crazy if we wanted to pursue someone or get to know a woman. Like, yeah, I'm cool with just texting every so often, maybe a phone call here or there, but I really don't want to see her or be with her in person. Are you crazy? We want to be with her face to face. You want to get to know her intimately and deeply. The same should be for the Lord of Lords, the God of the universe, the creator of time, the person who knows us best. Will we give him that space in our lives, that time in prayer? I want to close with just a quick story. So Mark Bartek, he's, he's one of my bosses in, in focus. He shared a story with Father Mike Schmitz a few years ago, and, and Father Mike uh, Schmitz shared the story at one of the big seat conferences. I think it was the one in San Antonio. But there was a man in Fujian province of China, and in this place, it was still illegal for people to be Catholic. And so this man and others would have secret masses in their homes with priests who were in hiding. They would come to their homes and offer mass so the people could receive the sacrament, Jesus, in the Eucharist. And they would place people outside of their homes, kind of keeping watch to see if they were to be found out while hosting these masses, which penalty of death or torture. So one of these nights, middle of the night, they were having this mass, and they got found out. And all the people and the priests scattered from this mass. But the man who couldn't leave was the, the owner of the home. They knew who he was. They knew what home it was in. So he was captured and kept in captivity for three to four weeks. And day in and, and, and every night, they would torture this man. And how they tortured him was they removed his clothing and they rigged together these cattle prods, which you'd use to shock cattle, and rigged a million bolts to go through this cattle prod to burn this man's flesh. And so day and night, they would burn this man. And, sorry, I just got the, the wave that we need to finish here and I'm almost done. Um, but they would say as they're burning him, uh, tell us where the priests are and you can go home as they're torturing him. Tell us where the priests are and we'll return you to your family. And this guy, this man, he had a love for the Eucharist. He wanted people to be able to receive our Lord um, through these priests. And so he wasn't going to tell them where they were. He wasn't going to relinquish, relinquish to their torture. After the three to four weeks, they actually gave up in torturing this man. They said, he's not going to break, he's not going to budge, and they actually let him go. As soon as he could, he took his family and he escaped to the U.S., while at the U.S., in, in a city in the U.S., this man was just so joyful and grateful that he no longer had to go to Mass and hiding. He could go to Sunday Mass in the middle of the day. He went to daily Mass in the middle of the day and wasn't fearful of his life being in jeopardy or being arrested by communists. But something else that this man learned while here in the U.S. was that the harder you work or the more that you work, the more you can actually get back, the more money that you can make. And so after a while, after a time being, 
he discontinued going to daily mass, but he still went to Sunday mass, but he was working more and more and trying to get more hours and, and work his way up the ladder of finances. The next year, continued to work more and more and actually discontinued going to most Sunday masses, but, but still went to Christmas and Easter mass, though. But the following year, the man actually discontinued going to Easter and Christmas mass. So, guys, the, the point that I want to make with this story is what communism couldn't do, what torture couldn't do, what electrified cattle prods couldn't do, our culture could do without even trying. Torture could not break this man's love of the Eucharist, but our culture stripped this man's love of the Eucharist without even trying. And so I share this story, guys, because we need to know that we are in a battle a battle where eternity is at stake, where souls are at stake. The souls of those that we love are at stake. And in summary, guys, we need to prepare for this battle. We need to reflect on how we're living this battle, how interiorly we are living this battle. We need to take action, and we need to yearn for heaven, give God the space to do that. And we do that by praying. And so my last thing, guys, our world doesn't need more believers. We need more witnesses. And I pray that this Advent and this break, and for the rest of our lives, I pray that you guys and myself, that we could be those witnesses. Thank you for your time, and God bless. Awesome. Thanks, Spencer. I loved how he said, like, our world doesn't even need no more boys. We need men, right? And maybe some of you even know grown men who act as boys. And our world and our church doesn't need any more of those. We need men after the heart of Christ. So thanks, Spencer. It was awesome for your words. And I hope that you can take those home with you. Um, and, and recognizing if you fall into, fall into sin or if you're not praying, that it's not over. The rest of the break's not screwed up. That you can get back up. Allow the Lord to get you back up and to keep fighting. So at this time, we're going to be moving into the church, but we already have confessions going on, and we'd love to use the priest time well who came here. Some drove a little distance. So if you're ready to go to confession as we walk to the church, you can just stay in the lobby, and you can get in line for confession. If you're not ready yet, you can go into the church. We have exposition that'll be happening, and then you can come back for confession. So um, that's just something, if you are set to go, we'd love for you to be able to receive this sacrament, especially before going home. All right, guys, so uh, Nick's going to go ahead and lead us out. So... Um, go ahead and follow them up, and we'll be heading to the church. Stop off to, uh, in the lobby if you're ready for confession.